This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 934, Spotlight on Spider-Man, No Way Home. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 934. It's our spotlight on Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and I'm joined by two co-hosts today. i got Paul Scarez on the line. Hello. And Nathan Strzok. Hi, hi. So, I mean, we saw this over the course of the weekend, I should say. Like, I guess I saw it the Thursday, Paul, you saw it Friday, and Nate, yep. you saw it Sunday. Um, it was one of the biggest opening weekends of all time, uh, behind only really? Endgame and Infinity War. Uh, so this is people are heralding that this may have saved cinemas for a little longer because it actually brought people into the movie theaters. Um, going into this movie, what were each of your respective uh, kind of expectations, or what kind of hype level were you at before you went into the movie? Let's start with Paul. Well, you know, the rumors and uh, talk around this movie was you know a fever pitch at, at some levels, right? And it was hard to know. You know, what were they going to do? What was going to happen? It was all smoke and mirrors. Um, even if the other Spider-Men show up, will it be only for two seconds at the end? And it's not that great of a deal. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of question marks, I guess, going into it. And there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and flat-out lies to keep people off the set, which is just a shame that we've come to that, uh, you know, because the internet crazy people dig up every possible story and the, you know, lizard being struck by the invisible person in that one trailer and yada, 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 right? So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I went with Ben, uh, my son, 12 years old, and, you know, he was pretty jacked and he had zero knowledge of the previous movies. I meant to binge watch it with him and I failed miserably, but uh, he went regardless. So, but he had seen Far um, From Home and Homecoming, though, right? Yeah, yeah, the previous Holland movies, yeah, okay. but not any not of the Garfield other... or Toby stuff, yeah. Okay. So, obviously, they were, but, uh, you know, either way, he still completely loved it, because it was just uh, a fantastic movie as a whole, even without the, as you would appreciate it more, I think, if you know the history and the other stuff, um, but I think it's still just as enjoyable of a movie without um, some of that as well. Um, but, yeah, like, I... I what, again, another Marvel movie where you're going in um, not really knowing where it's going to go. Like, it, it, this, this felt like a proper MCU movie. Like, you know, watching Black Widow was just okay. Shang-Chi was fine. But, you know, again, something felt missing. I hadn't even seen Eternals yet. Um, but this felt more at home, for lack of a better kind of pun there, I guess, with the home stuff. But um, it felt more at home with the MCU. It really like it had that high level of, of just anticipation and awesomeness and, and, you know, kind of unknown, the grand scheme of things of storytelling, um, until it, they, they presented all the cool moments with you. Um, you know, is it perfect? Is there holes and things you can complain about? Yeah, sure. With some pacing off a bit here and there? Yeah, sure, whatever. But, you know, as an, as an overall, you know, walked out of there very happy and, and was very pleased with the experience. All right, Nate? What was your... Well, I mean, you hadn't watched all the trailers either, right? So you maybe had less of a fever pitch of hype as a result because you hadn't been stoked by all these trailers or what was your kind of overall feeling? I, I wanted to keep my anticipation measured 
<laughs> because it, it is a Sony Marvel Studios joint project, and you sometimes you can just feel or see more of the Sony. I like this isn't fair to do, but I like to imagine there's just a bunch of a room of Sony execs, <laughs> and they're all pretty much like yes people, and they're all kind of around a, a large oak table. And one person who's in charge who has more seniority comes up with an idea, and they all got they all kind of clock and go hum, hum, and thump and thump thump thump, thump and agree. I'm like what if Spider Man had organic web shooters? Like that's back with the baby stuff, and they were like yeah 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 hum, hum, let's do that let's do that. Okay, it was not necessary, and it ended up actually with some fun jokes in this movie about like how weird and gross that is. But that was like someone's idea, and they really pushed for it. Didn't need to happen. Not a, not really about the source material. In fact, it's more fun to see him run out of web shooters or have them break, or not run out of web, web fluid. I mean, or have them break, or you know, whatever. But no, we're going to go with what this. With this but now I feel like. <laughs> Again, this is unfair. But all the things I don't like about the Spider-Man films are from some sort of corporate, you know, intervention. And the things that I like are things that are more creator-driven. And this is maybe why I like Into the Spider-Verse so much because it just felt like it was so enthusiastic, and so artistic, and it felt like the people were fans of the content and the, and the source material. And then they gave us something fresh. So I was like, wow, who would have thought that an animated movie that people weren't expecting was, frankly, my favorite Spider-Man film? Like, how did that happen? So um, I, 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 talking to you, Adam, too, I very much agree that the I enjoy Holland. I enjoyed the first two films, but they're not really Spider-Man films as much as they are Marvel films or MCU films. They're building something. It's either Tony Stark or it's relationship to Tony. And uh, the in this one, it's Doctor Strange. And so it's how Peter fits into a universe full of these other gods, right, that he's, he's kind of just the junior so with this one, I'm like, well, maybe they'll just go too big. They'll go too big. They'll go too fast. They'll try to go too high. They'll try to bring too much. It just tastes eager for that piece of pie. You know, this is why we have Morbius around the corner. And like the Venom films are what they are. I infer. Um, they really see that money. They see that, um, I don't know, that energy coming from so many people in, in, in the fan base, and they want a piece of it. So that was me. I was like, I was worried about it. So I guess that's your question. I don't want to. Paul did a whole review, and I don't want to like. He did a great job. So I don't either. Really can't, can't beat that. But I will. I will defend Black Widow. I really like Black Widow. I really like that. I, I get what Paul is talking about, though. I mean, the idea of kind of moving the universe forward, like Black Widow didn't really do that. Even Shang Chi, like, it explored a new kind of avenue of the universe, but it didn't really push the kind of the MCU we already knew forward. And we have the Disney Plus shows that are doing that to an extent anyway. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier obviously kind of pushes that legacy forward. But in terms of like a cinematic experience, we haven't quite gotten that. Um, I will almost never come to the uh, the defense of a Sony executive, but I am going to do it for a moment and say that because <laughs> it has been documented that Sam Raimi thought that using web, web organic web shooters was a better idea because he thought it would help you know, if you're asking too much of a suspension of disbelief, and again, this is very early in the superhero genre, so he was like, I, I'm, maybe we're asking too much, so he kind of, he said, he stole that from an idea that was in the James Cameron script, well, James Cameron's went a lot crazier, but he was like, I like that idea, it, you don't have to explain how he's also creating this fantastic futuristic thing, you can just have it be organic, and maybe that's easier for fans in 2002 to understand from a movie-going perspective, and I don't think yeah, he was because- wrong. 
Yeah, I, I, I would I, I would disagree. I would think he's wrong. I would. It's, it allows you to see that Peter is a whiz kid. It allows you to see that he's a gifted science head, and it, it is di- it's diegetic, right? It's a piece of diegesis of the story that says like he's. We're going to show you rather than even tell you how smart he is because he's actually going to couple this together mm-hmm. and make it. I think that was possibly what Dicko and Lee were going for anyway. Like it just made as a kid, I was like, wow, what is he doing? Like I thought that was so cool. It's possible that that is maybe why you have them course correcting in Spider Man Two to show Peter Parker talking with Otto, having a knowledge of science. Because that, if you look at the first Spider Man movie, you don't see a lot of his science. Uh, you have you, you you have some lip service to it with obviously, and then Osborne talking about how he's something of a scientist himself, which yeah, was a nice yeah. line to see that people cheered on in this movie. Um, but uh, and I think that's probably why they really leaned into the science in the second one, and then forgot about it in the third one. <laughs> um, I mean, they yeah. didn't completely forget about it. I mean, they did have him go to Doc Connors with the symbiote, um, but it was people. People forget all the time, though. I mean, even in the comics, sometimes people constantly forget that he's really smart, and um, it, it's that's why it's neat when you know he's teaming up with Tony in the MCU, and it's like, yeah, like you, we can talk, like we we know each we, we're, we're science bros in that way, and then mm-hmm. you get to see more science growing in this, which is a very fine Marvel tradition of a bunch of scientists coming together and doing things they probably shouldn't be doing but they're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. Absolutely. So uh, let me ask you a question for you, Paul. Going in, how certain were you that we are going to see those other Spider-Men? Because I always thought, probably, but there, I was also like, there could be a possibility it's just other Tom Hollands. Like, it could be, like, you know, a bearded Tom Ooh. Holland. It could be a mustache Tom Holland. Like, who knows, right? It doesn't need to be these other guys. It for us who have seen the original, um, you know, other movies, it means something. But if you're Ben, doesn't actually have the same emotional cachet. Seeing yeah. other versions of Tom Holland might actually have meant more to him. So I'm just so how much going in did you think maybe they're just going to give us other Tom Hollands? That the, it did, the thought did cross my mind. I won't lie. Like even having one in a slightly different suit pulls off the mask and he's blonde. You know that kind of stuff, right? Um, you, Would you have the, lost your shade if Scarlet there. Spider showed up in real life? Like, you're like, <laughs> oh, oh my, my god. god, right? There's a blue hoodie to be involved, absolutely. But I, if, I think if you want to do clone cycle, do clone cycle. Let's not kind of shoehorn it into a multiverse thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I would have been like, not like this, not like this. It's good yeah. to see you, Ben, but like, uh. yeah, right? Because, you know, where do we go from here? And clone cycle seems like a, a great place to go. Um, but, um, yeah, I know that, that I did think maybe they could see more Hollands because, yeah, like, if you don't have your connection to those older movies and, and they're right there, some of them are kind of dated, especially the Toby stuff at this point. You know, you see this old guy come in, oh, who are you? What do I care about you? If you're just, you know, the flat scans going to this and not the Uber nerds like we are. Um, but uh, again, I think they made it work and I. Uh, I was nervous at one point. Yeah, maybe, what if they don't? What if there is another other Spider-Man? All this hype was for nothing. I was all smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, temporary expectations, you know, uh, Garfield denied it a thousand different times. But it's like, no, no, they got to do it. Like, this is what we want, and, and the fans kind of got what they wanted in the end, I think. So I'm cool with it. What it is to think of to- Topher, uh, uh, Topher, Tobey Maguire as an old man. Like, he wasn't young anyway for the first film, but mm. now when you look back, there is absolutely, like, a generation of kids like, no, Gen Alpha didn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, Gen Z was still a Gen Z for your American listeners, was still being born, like, kind of early days. So there's a lot of people who might not be familiar at all with that. And, yeah, he is this old man. He's old man liar. It's interesting oh. watching those old movies now. Like, I mean, I think even when 
the original Spider-Man trilogy came out, they already felt almost a little old-fashioned. Um, and I think that was obviously very deliberate by Raimi, but you watch it now, and it feels even... I think it actually feels even more comfortable. Because it does feel like, oh, I'm just watching, you know, 60s Spider-Man. It happens to have been made in 2002, but, you know, it feels very of... Not even Ditko, it feels more Romita. But it has that very kind of, you know, kind of safe quality to it. And then you have... Like, I, I've shown Zack, Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, have not shown him the Garfield movies because they are decidedly darker and a little bit more uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't know. I think I can actually go into the homecoming and Far From Home before I show him The Amazing Spider-Man, even though I love Garfield's portrayal, uh, just because those movies did tonally get much darker. And then you had this course correction with with Homecoming, which was much lighter and more of a, a remix of all these different you know Spider-Man ideas. Well, I do like how Toby's villains also drove the bus, right? Like, you can tell that their villains were much stronger than, you know, Electro and Lizard. And, you know, Molina, I think, was fantastic as Otto in this. I loved how he, he came back and replies that role. Um, and he, he felt totally right. Um, you know, and seeing Defoe as Gobby again was cool. And I like that, you know, they they beat up the, the quote-unquote Power Ranger suit a bit. And then he had kind of the the clothing ripped all around it and it kind of had hood up. I kind of would have almost liked... The, you know, he only broke the mask earlier in the movie, but even having like it fragmented rather than just a pair of oops, sorry, um, would have been maybe cooler. So, like, I know it would have been hard to do Green Goblin Justice live action with the, the costumes kind of kind of zany, but kind of kind of still rolled with it and have that goblin look with a broken mask. I think might have been slightly cooler than just the goggles uh, toward the end there. Um, you know, and, and and the one fight in the apartment building, Happy's apartment complex, there was, um, you know, I forget how that serum augments um norman but man like the beating that they give each other you know yeah um isn't you know norman still kind of normal under all that like does, does the serum give him high invulnerability and stuff like that to take like spider-man full-on punches to the face you know it's it's, inc- I would like say you yes. about it's people to, imploding yeah. right nate <laughs> like, yeah well yeah no i was just referencing uh before the recording that i was looking at i was playing some around with the nes game um spider-man return to simpson six and enemies in that game when you hit them when they die they just explode so would that be weird if they did that yeah, um, I don't know. My interpretation of that and seeing the comics and, you know, even playing a lot of Heroclix with, the, with those power sets, he's got he's got regenerative abilities. He's really, really extra tough. Mm-hmm. So he has not invulnerability, but he's definitely really tough. Um, super strength, right? Low-level super strength. Like, okay. he's what the, the, the Joker can't be with Batman, right? They, don't, they can't go toe-to-toe. Like, the Joker can kind of go, like, underhanded and kind of mm-hmm. use some tools to try to, like, Catch him unawares, but but Peter can go toe to toe with the Goblin and then back right. They think he's just slug it out. Absolutely. So that's my. I, so I, I didn't see anything odd about this. I thought the power levels were expensive. Yeah, I, I thought that worked as well. It was uh, it was interesting seeing how good the de aging technology was because like yeah. you would honestly believe that you know uh, that um, uh, Doc Ock hadn't aged at all. Like he looked so perfect and it didn't look weird and it didn't look like kind of you know sometimes it looks a little off. Not one moment did I think it didn't look real. I was like, wow, they did an amazing job with Alfred Molina. Like, he looks so young and vital. And even Willem Dafoe, first of all, his ma- his face is crazier than any mask could ever be. Like, yeah. like <laughs> why cover that up? He's so crazy. Like, he's he's already got that crazy look. And, yeah, it was nice and cathartic, I guess, for fans to have him smash, the, you know, the original uh, mask that he wore. Because that felt very... Like, yeah, let's get rid of that. Let's forget about that. It was interesting to see him kind of be the big bad villain, too. Um, 
because this is an interesting movie that has so many villains, and for much of it, I was like, well, no one's really a bad guy. I mean, they are bad guys, but I mean, like, they're just kind of torn out of their own home, and they're just kind of being reflexive as a result, although obviously Norman's the only real, I guess, bad guy here. The others are more, I don't even know what they are. They're just kind of antagonists, but not really bad guys in the same way. Well, they really emphasize in this film that, I mean, May says that, like, they either have a mental or um, a mental disability or a physical disability. So they are disabled. They have something that, you know, that we maybe can help them with. They aren't innately all evil. Yes, um, there is a problematic reading there because there's a long standing tradition in cinema, actually, in all art and stories, that's saying, like, Deformity, disfigurement, disability are usually part and parcel with villainy. That that scars and missing limbs and mental illness are almost always associated with violent behavior and, and, and villainous. That is a, that that's a tough thing. Um, but on the other side, they allow them to say, "Have like, well, Peter, what will you do in this situation? That like, will you just do what the previous Spider-Mans have done? Which apparently they've just been killing them. Which is a proud tradition in superhero films, going back to at least uh, Batman '89, where it's like, yeah." The villains die. That's what they do. We kill them. They're evil and we kill them. This at least turns that on its head and says, well, what if you had the power to not let them die? What if you could have mercy on them? And Dr. Strange at one point, you know, I, I do appreciate that kind of the, the callousness of a man whose fate of the multiverse is kind of in his hands. And he's like, I cannot. We're not going to have the Spock Kirk moment here. OK, like the needs of the many absolutely outweigh the needs of the few here. He's going to shut it down. And then Peter's like, well, what if I could use my my power? to save some of the worst people that I've ever known. And that's, that is a touching moment. There's a lot of really, really meaningful touching moments that I didn't think, I didn't expect would happen. I thought it would just be high octane, bombastic, but there was character development. You know, we, we mentioned Adam, you and I afterwards about, and, and I think Paul will agree that moment. I guess we're doing spoilers anyway, so whatever. With Garfield, Andrew Garfield, right. Spider-Man, being able to finally save his Gwen, right? And then all of them talking about the death of their loved ones, their, their parental figures, um, you know, the, the, and, and trying to talk Holland out of that rage, and, and learning that their storylines continued afterwards. That the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, who we call him Spider-Man Three, yeah, 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 three. I'm three. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> that he went down a, a dark road. He's like, I stopped pulling my punches. Which the implication there is that he got really violent. Like he kind of, without a Venom symbiote, went really dark for a time. And then you learn that McGuire's Spider-Man was he two? He's number two. I think so. Um, all of them gets to be one. Um, apparently married Mary Jane but it's complicated so I don't know maybe they're separated maybe they're divorced maybe they're just kind of I don't know but so there's all these other moments where it's like wow like I've never thought I wanted to learn more about what happened after those movies to those Spider-Mans but now I do because they made me care about them and we got to see McGuire actually say some lines that were kind of funny and charming because he never gets a chance to do that in the other films no. and that should be a thing that Peter does but oh my goodness doesn't um Garfield outshine everybody in terms of charisma, in terms of humor, right? That you, you, you can get a feeling like if you could only take elements from each of these Spider-Mans <laughs> and put them into one, because Holland for me really is the full package for the most part, but you know, the sense of humor, the timing, comedic timing from Garfield, and some of those more solemn moments and kind of the more cerebral moments from McGuire, you could just kind of put that together, um, you might have the perfect Spider-Man, but I guess, you know, that's the whole point. I guess they all are him. Mm -hmm. Just different moments, and somewhere out there, there's a black one of us, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. So there's nods to the future. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I mean, obviously, I really appreciated the fact that yeah, Garfield got to have his his moment. But I think even more impactful for that was the look on his face afterwards when he's like breaking down because he did save her. 
And so, like, and I think, like, it was one thing just to see the moment where he gets to be the one to do it, but also seeing his reaction afterwards, being like, you okay? Yeah. And she's like, are you, are you okay? And he's like, you know, yeah. yeah. Like, that that yeah. felt yeah. really... He sells that. Yeah, he sells that. Yeah, really that, well. that, that moment resonated with me, too, watching that go. And, like, even though I, I, I like, it was a, a huge talked about thing that was going to happen, like, I, and I, I hate myself for, like, reading or watching anything about it to, to spoil certain things, you know? Um, but that felt like the most obvious, Paul. Like, that what did you read? read? What have you been doing, Paul? What have you been reading? <laughs> but it, it did feel like that was the most, like, in, in my head, I was like, are we all writing it better than what we're going to get in the movie? Like, I was worried about that, because the minute you see her about to fall, and it looks cin- cinematically just like when Emma Stone was falling, I'm like, if they don't have Andrew Garfield there, and if he is there, if he doesn't do this, that's just a missed opportunity that I feel like any it's, fan would have written on their own. So I'm glad that they, they did it, but as I said, I think what extra sold it for me was the performance by Garfield afterwards, because that's yep, something absolutely. I had not thought of, is how is that going to impact him to finally be able to achieve it? So as much as the, yep. the moment of the same was great it's the afterwards that really makes it work yes because yeah, sure. without that it's just do we have to throw another young woman off of a building just like do we have to kill this old uncle ben every movie we have a chance we get like how many times does that old man have to die well apparently so he's that, he's not even a character here like he's not even the yeah. one who see this is part of my issue though is i don't like that you had spider-man get how many movies and a multiversal adventure before he learns with great power comes great responsibility. That kind of bugged me. That this is his Uncle Ben moment. It took three of his own movies, and he's been in three other movies. So we've had, like, six movies before he got to have this moment. Doesn't that feel weird? No. No? I mean, they also, in Civil War, give him his ethos anyway. They give him a philosophy when Stark is like, why are you doing what you're doing? And he's like, you know, when you have to do the things that we can do, and bad things happen... You don't stop those things. It's kind of your fault. I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't know how close I'm getting it. But it's kind of your fault that those bad things happen. And Stark's like, okay, I get you. I, I understand you now. So I had assumed that that was because of Uncle Ben. And I they just so weren't going to say it. And the, even in but, Far From Home, he had um, the, the bag he had for luggage. It had you know Ben Parker's uh, initials on it. And that bag gets blown up and destroyed. And no one seems sad about that <laughs> that bag. Like... Maybe there's any- no. Apparently, his Ben was a bum uncle that like left May, what or is? he died natural causes. You know, talk about it. Like, who knows? Where's his headstone? Like, it's not there. Like, like, like if yeah. I, we'd see it next to May's, and it's not there. And I'm just like, are we, we just, just wiping it out completely? Like, it's so yeah, weird. We just all assumed the same old story, so it's nice to, to get a, a twist on it, right? Because no, they never. They maybe originally when they brought him in Civil War, that was the plan. But again, we don't want to rehash yeah. those pearls again, so we'll pass yeah. on it. And. So I want the pearls, time. Paul. I want. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to see the pearls, but I want to know the pearls exist. <laughs> right. So I guess they got to this movie saying, "Hey, we haven't actually talked about this," and that's. I think it helped the main moment. You know, mean more too, right? Okay, I'm going to try to no prize this, uh, Mr. Lee. Adam, you're the host, so you're Mr. Lee. Stan Lee here. Um, Stan Soapbox. Let's try to no prize this. Uh, they could do a little side story where, like, actually, the thing that May said. Ben had been saying that his, you know, maybe that was part of Ben's ethos. That was part of Ben's philosophy. There was an Uncle Ben. He died. Peter was very young, didn't really know him. Mm-hmm. He was trying to instill these things into Peter. Peter grew up kind of understanding this. This was something he understood, but it wasn't explicitly said to him until one day when May is dying. Yeah. She looks at him and she's like, she doesn't say this out loud, but she's like, your Uncle Ben always said this. 
and then she says it. Is, is that a slight note? Will that give me a little no prize there that maybe in your head canon it kind of works now? Uh, the only reason I don't think it does is mainly because they had a moment when they could have said something, when um, Toby and Andrew are, are telling about their own origins and about they both thought, you know, an uncle, they're both, their Uncle Ben's both died, and he didn't say anything. He didn't say, oh, yeah, I had an Uncle Ben... Oh yeah. Maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he didn't know. Okay, I guess yeah. my prize is only is only half formed. Okay. Um, but I appreciate I your attempt. I, I kind of don't like if we're going to make this as much of a different universe, a shattered dimension, if you will. <laughs> um, if this is really its own universe kind of thing, very separate from six sixteen or six one six. I don't even like that she said, "With great power comes great responsibility." I think she should have said, "With you know, with a, with all of the talent that you have, with all the abilities that you have, you have to be responsible, or you have to be you know, give back to people." Like I, I wish she kind of made it her own May hmm. saying, and then it wasn't identical. But that's a small quibble. I mean, that's I'm not here to pick on this. By the way, I mean. I are we holding this to the end? I really like the movie. <laughs> I mean, we weren't necessarily on, on purpose. I mean, we had Paul gave us a succinct kind of mini review at the beginning, so yeah. kind of left. I didn't us- want to seem like I was dumping on it on, without you know also acknowledging that I'm not attacking a movie that I don't like. I am being critical of a movie that I enjoyed, and I, there were things that I would change. But I'll sure, mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised. Yeah. That's good. I did find. I don't know. My, the use of Doctor Strange and the kind of the MacGuffins kind of bugged me, and because it made me feel like there was less of a, a story story here. Like they kind of put something together, but it, it felt like I don't know. Did I need a whole movie that is all because Peter made a bad choice? We've had those types of movies before, not like quite this calamitous. I guess I don't know. I, I kind of just wanted a. I guess maybe in Spider the next one, whatever they call it. Maybe we'll finally get kind of a, a down-to-earth Spider-Man, and because that Tom Holland never really got to be that yet. Now the exactly. ending definitely makes it look like we're going to get there. Um, yes. I don't like the I don't know. I, magic is messy and can add a lot of questions, and so I'm like, well, like how does this work at the end? Does he have a social insurance number? Is he a person at all? Uh, like, had no one will ever have any records. Exist. People just don't know or don't remember. So, like, it, everyone's being so nuanced on this fucking spell. Let's not like hurt our brains about it too much, mm-hmm. right? He still exists. He still has had a life and all this kind of stuff. Just the people he was closest with, as far as they're concerned, they don't remember him, mm-hmm. right? So, and we can dig into those potholes if you like, but I, I, I don't see the point. They needed a way. They wanted a way to give, I, I guess, sense give Peter a fresh start, right? And, and and make him new and make him maybe less techy and millennially kind of bring him down to his roots, right? And you see him sew up the classic costume at the end there. So yeah, I think you're right. I think we'll, they'll get, they get a, a chance to kind of start fresh with with Holland and all this kind of stuff and and, and roll a whole new direction with him. Because um, you know maybe yay we got to use him in Civil War, but maybe now in hindsight maybe you know we would have liked to have done it differently and they have their chance to do that now so i think this is a, a path to success not that any of the movies were that previous and you know we'll get to see where they move forward with it and i'm excited to see where they go i mean paul could they if they weren't so beholden to calling things you know home with this trilogy could they not have just called this one more day and the next one's brand new day that's essentially what we're getting to a certain extent sure I mean, he's free from encumbrances, yeah, free from any other, you know, kind of personal hey, connections. Any, look, I, 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 my one hatred has always been, not hatred, I should say, but my one, uh, I've never enjoyed his supporting cast. I like Ned. 
I hated their Flash Thompson. I was never big on the oh, MJ. Flash. So to be, to be free of, of her and of can't, every time I see that guy on screen, I can't stand him as Flash Thompson. Um, so to see him again, I'm happy with that. I'll miss Ned for sure. Um, but uh, Genki, I'm you mean you're going to miss Genki, right? Yeah, I'll miss Genki, <laughs> sure, absolutely. It's so weird yeah. to me that it's still like I, whenever I watch him on screen, I'm like, he's ganky. Don't call him Ned. Like you just you took Miles's supporting character and just gave it to Peter. Okay. It is interesting again that I guess there is no there's no Osborne at all here. Like you know, like it's not yeah, even there's like, no Oscorp or anything. Yeah, because I'm, I was kind of surprised in some ways that they went with that. I mean, obviously it helps sell the moment that they were using Norman for, but it also kind of meant that, you know, for future Holland movies, we're not getting Osborne, and maybe that's fine. We don't need to go back to the Osborne well. God knows, you know, Harry kind of ruined, the, the Amazing Spider-Man version of Harry really ruined me wanting to see a goblin, and now that we've seen it here, we don't really need to retread that, but uh, it was interesting that they kind of went that direction, especially because in, in the Amazing Spider-Man universe, everything kind of came out of Oscorp, and now they're just like, nope, there is none in MCU. They got to get to Venom as soon as they can, so they can not merge this Eddie Brock with this universe, but they still put a symbiote in it, which they didn't need to do because it's an alien and it could have just come from a meteorite or something or a secret war. If we got there, not right. necessary. Any of that just tainting this universe makes me feel icky. I'm with you on that. I don't like. The, I, I'm not a fan of the, the Tom Hardy Venom stuff. I know there's you know. The millennials all eat it up, but it's not for me. Um, yeah, and having that piece of that in my MCU, no, you can keep that Sony over there. Take, take it, give it to Morbius. I don't care. Did you, you like the sequence there. though? Like, what did you think of the sequence with Brock? Well, I've drunk Brock going. Oh, no, no, go away. It was, it was, just, it was weird. It. No. I don't like this. I don't even like the voice they went with with the symbiote. No. I think that there's no. better voices elsewhere. Another, I mean, for example, the '90s cartoon. I think mm-hmm. the voice of Venom was. Cool, sinister, another world. Yeah, exactly. Like, basically, Spidey's already been to space, so you could already do all the cosmic-y, in-space, alien-y stuff you wanted um, to bring the symbiote to Earth one way or another. You didn't need to tie it in, you know, because when when this this whole thing first started happening and Peter decides, okay, like, Strange, you got to, like, magic me out of this situation – the fear in me crept is like, oh no, you're not sending poor Holland to that universe mm. where where Venom is, or whatever. that was another big rumor that came out. You know, this is how they get Holland out of the MCU altogether. And I was nervous that was going to happen. I'm thankful that it didn't because I, I don't want to go there. Like movies are fine, but I'd much rather Holland in the MCU uh, sandbox than whatever they're trying to build over there with Venom and Morbius and whatever else. What did you guys think of, I mean, we're talking about post-credits things. Uh, we got more or less just a, a straight-out trailer for the new Doctor Strange movie as opposed to a scene per se. What did you guys think of that trailer? Uh, it really was a trailer. It was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Amber, leaned, Amber leaned over and she's like, this is a trailer. I'm like, yeah, so, okay. I'm usually not excited to wait through the credits for trailers, but I mean, I'm excited for this movie, so I'm happy to see more of it. Again, a lot of these upcoming projects, you don't Marvel. You don't have to sell me on it. Like I'm, not, I'm already here. I will. I would, if they were going to show me the, the Doctor Strange movie immediately after this, I would pay an extra, you know, fee, and I would just stay there. Like you don't have to keep hyping me up. Like I will see all of these projects. So it's not for me. It's for people who are maybe uncertain or unaware, and it's, that's fine. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Scarlet Witch back. I think they did a great job with her in, in WandaVision, and I'm happy to see where that goes with her kids mm-hmm. and 
finally build that Young Avengers that they're clearly making. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're getting America Chavez is going to be in this movie, which we saw briefly. Then we also yeah. see Shumagorath, so, or what it looks like. Yeah. Shuma. So. Finally. That's exciting. I mean, it looks like we're going to get. It was interesting, actually, in this movie, the idea that uh, Wong is the, you know, the he's the Sorcerer Supreme now because because <laughs> Doctor Strange wasn't around for five what? years. Yeah. Which was interesting. Like, I didn't expect that. That was an interesting perspective, especially given what we saw in Shang-Chi with uh, Wong. Uh, brings that, like, Wong's just kind of the connective tissue now, right? Like, he's just kind of yeah. walking in and out of movies. Yeah. So I'm very curious, yeah. what's Wong really up to? Yeah, he's living his own life. Right? He's doing his own thing. And, and that's the, that is the connective tissue with the Shang-Chi movie, too, that they're like, okay, so now we need you in space with your super rings. And they're like, okay, so now they're going to do something. I don't know if there's an Avengers Infinity kind of thing going on out there, mm-hmm. but bringing in more and more of this stuff, uh, the Eternals movie, which I overall enjoyed, had problems, but it brings more Eternals into the whole thing, and Deviants, which is great, and Shumagorath now, and the closer we can get to having the full cast of Marvel vs. Capcom 2, I know that Paul will greatly enjoy that, and that means in future games we'll probably get a Shumagorath now. And he'll be like every kid's fan, like a favorite or something like that. He'll be seeing Shumagora costumes for Halloween. Had to mention one more day. We did not get a, a marriage death. We didn't get Mephisto eating a marriage in this. But looking forward to a Mephisto coming up in one of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just throwing this at us, right? We've got like Swordsman and Hawkeye and Echo and, and Yelena Belova just bouncing off the walls. And then for a split second, you get Charlie Cox's Daredevil popping in there. And yes. you're like... Great, and he's showing off some kind of powers because he's a really good lawyer and just fast and furious. And people, I'm sure, are getting whiplash, kind of going like, "What is happening?" But for fans, I, it felt like a Marvel comic, you know, Peter messing up a spell because he's talking too much. Yeah, that's a Peter thing to do, absolutely. Yeah. Um, getting Doctor Strange to be the MacGuffin to fix everyone's problems. Yeah, that's what everyone keeps doing, and he keeps saying this is a bad idea. And it's like Guardian Devil, where Daredevil's like, "Okay, we need to talk to someone about this." I'm going to summon someone with a summoning spell. Don't leave the circle. And Daredevil gets distracted. <laughs> he leaves the circle and it screws up the spell. Like, this is, this is the, the, the language of a lot of really fun you know, romps through the Marvel Universe. And so it just it felt like that. Multiple Spideys swinging around, giving them a moment to kind of chat with each other and seeing how each other's doing. Incredible Peter moments where it's like he's so down on himself. Like, he wants to be a good person, but he really does believe that everyone is worse off because they know him. Hmm. And he says it in this movie, like, I think that everyone's life is screwed up because of me. And if it wasn't for me, then, and that's why, I mean, that's the only reason why One More Day works in any way. The only way why One More Day works is because Peter is so self-effacing. He's so consumed by the guilt of death, the death of his uncle. So to see three of them together and trying to, like, spread some self-love, he's like, no, dude, you're cool, you're great. Like, no, you're awesome. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not. No, I was like, no, you're you're great, you're a great guy. I think you're, like, that, you know, and then Andrew Garfield just like, I love you guys. Like, that, that self-love, That's those are some interesting multiverse shenanigans to show self-healing uh, a bit and maybe even some character development. I hope that that comes up again. I hope that Holland kind of realizes that maybe... I don't need to push everybody away. Maybe mm-hmm. we don't have the right MJ and, and Ned out. I like I like the supporting cast in this. I like the Flash. I, I enjoyed them. I liked how different they are. I like how Gen Z or Gen Z they appear to be, and how different they are from kind of, you know my 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 time with Spider Man. Like my my supporting cast was you know Ben Riley's era, mm-hmm. um, but this is like something new. For, and it, it reminds me of the teenagers, you know that that I, I know when I uh, at work. So like. 
that I work with. So it's just like that felt authentic to me and I enjoyed it. Now they have room to grow somewhere else. They have room to expand these stories. I just hope they don't, they don't just kind of say, Hey, now we can do all these offshoots. Now we're going to bring Andrew Garfield back and he's going to get his own movies and we're going to do this and that. I really hope that they say like, Hey, let's, let's go somewhere with this and let's kind of expand on what we've established here. One thing that I really enjoyed, but there's, again, you have so much jostling for space here that you're not going to be able to do everything, is that I did like, even though it was very brief, the brief moment with Doc Ock and, um, and Tobey Maguire, being like, oh, you've grown. Like, you know, that there's yeah. an yeah. affection there. Uh, because that's what made their relationship work so well in the second movie, was that there was that kind of mentor relationship or that, that yeah. this could go somewhere because Doc Ock can see something in Peter that he sees from himself. And so that they can kind of bond together. So seeing it's so brief and you can blink and you miss it in this movie because it's so fast because there's so much else going on. But I really like that. Um, again, we talked about before, like Electro's moment with Andrew Garfield. Now that he's kind of normalized and he's not who he used to be from that other universe. I did like how they kind of explained away why he's yellow in this universe as opposed to blue. I was more than happy with that. Uh, I thought that was, you know, a good enough explanation. I was happy. Uh, one thing that... And, and- <laughs> Sorry, and when he gets to be hot again, he's like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm regular Jamie, I'm regular Jamie Foxx, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that did, it did irk me more than maybe it should have, it's one of those things you should just go with it, is that Doc Ock knew that Osborn was the goblin. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense based on those movies. So that bugged me. Because every, no one knew that Osborn was the goblin. Uh, especially at, at the point when Doc Ock died. I mean, Harry didn't know, and Harry hired Osborne, uh, sorry, uh, Ock to capture Spider-Man for him in the first place. So I, that c- part kind of bugged me. Also, Electro doesn't even know who Peter Parker is. So he didn't, He had, had no connection to Peter Parker. He had a connection to Spider-Man specifically, but not to Peter. So those were two kind of quibbles I had. Obviously, they needed to figure out a way that they could just say that that's how the villains are there, and oops, it didn't quite work for Electro, that's fine. And obviously, you needed someone to kind of say... You got to worry about Osborne. Osborne's dangerous, but it just felt weird to me because, again, Osborne was not a, a known entity as the Goblin, and um, yeah, and Jamie Fox had never met Peter, so that those are the two things that kind of stood out to me. Mm, I mean, I have not seen those movies in so long that you could have fooled me. Like, okay, whatever. Um, and maybe that's the point, right? Like, people just have, like, a yeah. general affection for the movies. But it's also interesting because this isn't a day and age where, if you want to, you could stream those movies right now. This isn't 20, 30 years ago where you had to be, like, either you had to have, like, a limited edition box set somewhere in your basement <laughs> in order to be able to watch them. And if you didn't, you were never going to see that movie again. Or you had to happen to watch it on TV one time and record it. Like, we're in a time when, if you want to, a lot of this stuff, you can experience it again pretty easily. You're saying saying like, oh, that was the movie Magic back in the day? They were just like, this doesn't make any sense. Indiana Jones never did that. Like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Watch the other other movie again? No. What, are they going to get a VHS player for $800? They're not going to do that, okay? Put put it back in the movie. Like, that's what they were doing? Is that what you think Uh, Hollywood was? I I think it was easier to get away with stuff, because yes, because you didn't have someone... Like, even in the original Star Wars movies, if there was a gaffe or something they wanted to fix at at that time... How was someone really going to know? Like, there, there was going to be. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you know, when people think about um, what they remember, the title sequences even being on the Star Wars movies, they remember what they saw on TV afterwards. They don't like that's where the New Hope comes from, right? Like, that's not from the original release. That's from a later release that they added on. But it's everyone's kind of sense memory. Well, that's how the movie starts. No, that's how we're used to it because they added it later. So, you know, they could do stuff back then. And people, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? As you said, you're not going to go back to 1977 and watch a movie no. and see exactly how it was presented. And be like, well, there you <laughs> yeah. go. You're not going to buy that yeah, we reel. Don't nearly, 
overanalyze and critique things as hardcore as we do now either, right? We just we just roll with it, you know. The internet the internet has made fools of us all. True. So those are the <laughs> two things that kind of bugged me, and they just stuck in my head because I couldn't just. It's more the Hawk thing more than anything. Because I was like, because the the Electro thing came to me later, but and the me, the minute Hawk said something, I'm like, well, how would he know that? Like he. Well, what's your no prize, Adam? We got to get a no prize out of you. you know, I mean, what do you think about that? I, the only no prize is that while Doc Ock was working for Osborne, he happened to run into the butler who knows all the secrets, and the butler told him, by the way, P- Spider-Man didn't kill his father because his father was the Green Goblin. Done. I Got take it. it. I'll take it. Yeah, I accept that. That's canon now. Yeah, it's Bernard. It's all Bernard's <laughs> fault. Um, so you mentioned it briefly earlier, Nate, but I was curious – um, actually, more to you, Paul. What did um, did Ben on his own realize who Murdoch was, or did you have to be like, "That's Daredevil"? No, he he, he figures lawyer, blind guy, reflexes. He's, yeah, that was enough. Mr. Murdoch, he's good. Yeah, he, yeah he's see, that was an interesting one where I felt like they could have gone more over the top, and they didn't. They they kept it very simple. They didn't make any weird daredevil kind of illusions besides him grabbing the brick and his yep. you know offhanded comment about being a lawyer. Uh, Leon was saying like, well, why would he even do that? That just kind of shows that he's not blind. I'm like, he's with a superhero in the room, and he probably doesn't want that superhero to, who's his client to die. He doesn't know if, what his special powers are in terms of spider sense necessarily. So of course he's going to yeah, put his arm yeah. in. Like whatever. He's in the same cohort. Yeah, they're a cohort. Whatever. He probably yeah. wants to audition. Frankly. <laughs> It, it, it was a fun moment. It was great to see him in there. Um, I, again, I haven't done any more digging into it to know, is this Charlie Cox from Netflix Daredevil or is this same actor, but this is a 616 or MCU version that's going to be different from what we know from the Netflix series. I know there's been talk about like that Netflix stuff not really being the thing. Um, I, I haven't seen Hawkeye yet. I know there's stuff, but... Um, how much How much haven't you seen of Hawkeye? <laughs> I've seen the like, first episode. That's it. Oh my goodness gracious! I know. Well, I know. I know. I know. I'm this very episode's wondering. not. This episode's not going to wet your age well anyway, because by the time people hear this, they, you may have watched the whole thing. So I apologize. I'm not going to go after you about that. But it, it's it, okay. it, yeah. So either way, like whether whether both individuals are part of you know that universe or they were this is just them in this universe. I'm curious to see how that plays out. But. I agree. I'm very curious. I feel like that with Daredevil, I don't think they're in any hurry to confirm or deny the canonness of the Netflix shows. But who knows what's going to happen this week? Because if there's ever ever been a, uh, a pattern that the Hawkeye show has fallen into, is usually it has a reveal in one episode, and then the next episode has a flashback. So who knows? Maybe we'll have a better sense in a couple of days uh, if there's anything that carries over from Netflix. But my, my inclination would be to say probably not. They just really like those char- those actors who portrayed those characters and people have an affinity for them. So they're just kind of repurposing them and using them for the, for their movies. Or, I mean, there's so many different places that Daredevil could show up, right? He could be an echo. He could be in She-Hulk. He could be in, who knows? Right? going to be in She-Hulk for sure. I can't wait for She-Hulk now. Like just seeing his, uh, his cane and everyone in the theater did kind of freak out. So I think, boom. Yeah, exactly. No, um, 
prior to this podcast, my wife had made fun of the fact that when we when I watched the movie, I was extremely dialed in. I didn't make any noise, and she was like, "Are you even liking this?" Like everyone else is whooping and hollering at all these moments. I cannot hear as well as I used to, so I'm intently trying to not miss dialogue when those types of things are happening. Um, but uh, I, you know, inside I was I was whooping. I was very excited to see Charlie Cox, especially like that was very exciting to see because I love that show. Uh, Daredevil was a fantastic show. I love season three, especially which I know Nate you haven't seen yet. Um, I'll go see it. I'll see it this week. I'll watch it this week. If you know, if Feige says tonight that those shows are canon, I will watch it tonight. Like there's something about that part of my brain. What I'm missing, like I want to be able to know. I don't want to go into a movie theater and not know. And there's other people there, these rubes that don't haven't read as many comics as me, and I might get a, I might miss a reference. What will I do? What will become of me? <laughs> my identity. This is my identity. You'll be less of a person, obviously. I will be. Yeah, it's like losing an argument against somebody else. Like who is the who's the more knowledgeable geek? Here? Like, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was awesome to see Murdoch here. And again, it was I appreciated the restraint because I feel like they could have tried to do something more gimmicky or bigger with it. And I feel like that was probably Marvel's influence. And like, cause Sony's probably like, Oh, you're going to throw Daredevil in here. We should do all this cool, fun stuff. And they're like, no, yeah, yeah. relax. Yeah. We, we got it back from Fox for a reason. We know how to do stuff. Stop it. Yeah. I imagine right. that's Feige constantly. The suits come in. They like, they get on the, whatever they get on the, uh, on the kitchen chat. And he's like, yeah, guys, we got to talk. Sony guys, we're going to calm down. No, what if we give everybody organic web shooters? Like, no, we're not going to do that. It doesn't happen. But there could be seven venoms. We could put seven venoms in here. Speaking of numbers, though, before Paul goes, five villains and not six. Yeah, come on, guys, what are you doing? Give us a sixth villain. Do it. Give us a sinister. No, six. no, no. Well, let's do it right. Let's do it right. Well, isn't isn't Extra Peter kind of his own villain in many ways? In like he's his Is own it? antagonist in a lot of ways. Like he's kind of getting in the way of himself. So he's the I reason this truly, all happened. I think time is the greatest villain. I think time really makes fools of us all, really, in the end. <laughs> but no, I honestly would rather see an actual Sinister Six. This is not going to really... I don't I don't imagine this is going to happen again. I mean, it certainly won't happen the same way. No. With characters have already been established, you don't really have to do an origin for all of them. This was the moment. I, I If you ask me, would I rather them have five or do the current Eddie Brock Venom as the sixth? Yes, I'd rather have five. Okay, fine. Yeah. But I imagine Sony said... We gotta bring in Venom, and Feige's like, "No." They're like, "What about Morbius?" And he's like, "Stop." I was curious, actually, when you had that big moment where everything, you know, reality starting to crack, and they're like they're, you know, they're coming through. I really thought you'd see more than just silhouettes. I thought that was their moment to kind of throw something in that looks like it's about to like hit them, you know, because you kind of saw a silhouette of Rhino or something that looked like a Rhino. Like you, and technically, you have a Rhino from the Amazing Spider-Man universe, so you could have used. Paul Giamatti's ridiculous Russian accent rushing into the movie, like it didn't need to be in there, but it could you could have like seen a vision of it. Like I thought it is that was an opportunity. It is interesting how much they took opportunities to swipe at that series. They're like at least no no less than two times they mentioned. Oh, by the way, Electric got his powers by falling into a vat of electric eels. Eels, and then. Andrew Garfield, or sorry, Spider-Man 3, mentions this whole thing. Like, I know the coolest, one of the craziest guys I know is a guy in a robot rhino. Like, they, they did do a lot of kind of good nature, I suppose, but ribbing at that at that movie, which shakes, I think. I, I did like, in general, the, the portrayal of Sandman that felt very, like, he wasn't really a villain, which, again, like, he felt not heroic, yeah. per se, but, like, definitely kind of, I just want to get back to my daughter, like, wasn't really messing around. Like, a poor guy. Was it two, when did that movie come out? Two thousand and seven, two thousand six, two thousand seven. 
he, since 2007, that guy's been trying to get back to Penny. Poor guy. Um, Thomas Hayden Church, was he actually in this movie or was he CG? Because he didn't actually seem like it was him. It looked like he was a CG. At, I, I couldn't quite tell. I think it's probably the de-aging because um, they made him look like younger. Oh, Plus yeah. they had him often. He was just half sand. Um, but he yeah, he's credited. very liney. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely his sound, or at least it's either a really good sound like or it's his voice. Because the whole movie, he's almost inexplicably, I'm like, why is he all sand all the time? Like, is Thomas Hayden Church just kind of phoned this in? Did he just do a voice for this character? And I couldn't quite confirm whether or not he ever appears or whether or not it was he kind of in shadow, kind of sandy. I think there, there, was, there was a couple scenes where it felt like you did see him full on, but you're right. Well, they, at the very end, when they cure him, he goes human form. That was it. Well, that's it does, true. but it didn't look real. It didn't look... It was Uncanny Valley a little bit to me. And I, I, I didn't have thing, that so issue, but that I think that's yeah. because they de-aged him as well. Um, the uh, Doc Connors, like, I mean, he, he did, you didn't really get to see him, like, his actual body much, only at the very end, and his voice a lot. Yeah. And that, that I think that was the one that kind of felt a little off for me. I just wasn't sure about how, I don't know, I don't know if I bought into his personality, because we only really saw him, like, so driven to make everyone into... You know, into lizards. That, yes, into lizards. <laughs> that it was, that's all he wants. That's all he wants, right? Yeah. Oh, it's weird. I did like that. I he, can make you better. I did I like that they, they kind of retcon that relationship between him and Max because we never, they obviously never occupied space together, but in their movies. But it makes sense because they were both at Oscorp, um, and that you know, obviously. Max at some point had had more of a prominent role and his designs had been stolen. So it makes sense that there had been some connection that they knew of each other. So I did like that. Again, it made their that world feel more lived in. I will say, if you're trying to find a gift for me this, this Christmas season and you don't have to get me, turning me into a lizard, not a bad idea. I mean, it would cure a lot of problems in my life. <laughs> I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be a half human, half lizard man, you know? <laughs> Um, so I, one thing that I, I, I didn't mind that it happened, but I, I think I objected a little bit with the slowness of it was Aunt May's death. It just felt very protracted. Um, like I felt like, you know, she, there was the blast and it looks like she's okay, but she's internally bleeding and then she kind of slowly dies out. I don't know if I needed that to feel as, I feel like it took up more space than it needed to. I feel like, uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about how her portrayal or her death was portrayed? Apparently, Adam wanted to see her die faster. Get her in, get her out, you know? I want to see pearls in the ground. We've already talked about this. Make a wheat cakes reference and get her in the ground. That's what you want, right? (laughs) I I mean, it worked for me. I thought, I mean, that was very horrifying to see that glider hit her. And then to, you know, if they were going to have blades on it, they would have showed the blades. So it just hit her, the way I read that, is that it just hit her at top speed and just tore up her organs, like massive internal bleeding cut her in a way that wasn't like the stabby stab but it was just like mm-hmm. being hit with the high impact of a machine like that um, yeah could give her a moment of internal bleeding before she just collapses and that kind of I was worried about that I'm like she got she got hit really really hard and I'm like there's no way that they don't that they don't they just leave that alone and then when it, you, you start to figure out what's going on I'm like yeah okay so that kind of worked for me that it was it seemed like it was almost like a double bluff or it was to circumvent your expectation and it's like, no, actually, she is going to die. So that, that, I was fine with that. that, that one. What were you, Paul? Did you think she wasn't going to die? Like, at the minute she was there, I'm like, she's going to die. Yeah, I guess to Nate's point, yeah, the kind of double bluff, you think, okay, so she's going to be okay. Like, how, how, like, is she Black Widow? How she survived that kind of crazy, uh, you know, <laughs> trauma? She's a human. Um, but, um, yeah, 
it, it did kind of, I guess I can see your point where there were, there were other moments in the movie where it felt like it's kind of dragging on a bit. We can move along a, a little, um, not faster per se, but maybe just not really link it on. And I think the, the people yammering on during it uh, at my theater really didn't help matters, right? They were trying to have this, this powerful kind of slow moment. And these guys are just giggling away and it's pissing me off. So mm. that didn't help. So I kind of wanted to move past it so they would shut up as well. But, and Paul, um, when I see death on screen, I can't help but giggle. <laughs> you have problems, my friend. I mean, it's, cer- it's certainly no no Trinity death scene. Like Trinity's death scene in The Matrix, what is it, two? Um, it's a three. I think it's I think three. It's three. Um, is really long and prolonged, and, and people have made mention of that. So anything that is shorter than Trinity's death sequence, I'm probably not going to notice. And, and for me, sells it. She doesn't like overact during it or anything like that. So it, it, I think it serves yeah. its purpose. I almost felt she underacted that, to be honest. I thought she underacted that sequence, to be honest. Like, I just, I don't know, something about it almost didn't work enough for me. I do think Holland helped sell his grief afterwards, um, and how that kind of motivated him moving forward. And then you have, again, him talking to the other Peters. I guess we haven't talked about, you know, the actual, you know, Ned using a sling ring pretty easily. I mean, it's one of those things where you have to just kind of like, all right, well, that just has to happen. He sucked at it, didn't he? Well, he he still found the other Peters. Like he still was able to open yeah. reality. Like you know, think about how how hard it was for Doctor Strange to do that when he was in Camertage. But you have these this guy is just doing it pretty easily. Well, they make the, the sly reference that he's magical, right? Yeah, and I don't sure. think he opened reality. I think he's opened a portal somewhere. I think the other Peters were yeah. here. Yeah, right? sorry. Yes, he wasn't opening right. reality, so, but he's still opening a portal. And again, we've seen yeah, yeah. that's pretty challenging for again. If you go back and watch Doctor Strange, that was a very yes. difficult thing for him to master. And yet he's he's not mastering well, it, but I, he's at least figuring it out. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I think some of it for for Stefan was the the lack of belief in, in in the arts. Whereas you know Ned, he he's, he knows he's magic, so he's mm-hmm. you know, and then played with it and got it. To, and he, he fumbled with it in, in various. I give you a no prize. I like that. That he yeah, had a belief yeah. in magic and Doctor Strange didn't. So I'll yeah. give you the no that prize a, there. That is an earned no prize. Hundred um, percent. What did you guys think in general of the battle in the mirror dimension? Mirror dimension. Um, I was fine with it. It was uh, cool that uh, you know Peter outsmarted him with math. That was a nice little kind <laughs> of John oh, could do this. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was it was a good way to get like. Stephen off his back and you know kind of put him somewhere where he won't uh, interfere more and Peter can take the reins of the adventure kind of moving forward I'm sure one can argue how does Wong the Sorcerer Supreme not notice any of the shenanigans mm-hmm. <laughs> happening at any point um, but again whatever I'm not going to nitpick on, on silly stuff because wrong with it at the he's end probably, of the day he's probably off dimension right he might be doing his own yeah. his own Wong thing yeah, yeah, he might be, he might be fighting own. the abomination again for all we know he's busy yeah. doing something with Shang-Chi and like they're in deep space yeah. with like you know with, yeah. with the rings like there is a lot of things that he could be doing um, and I think maybe his you know sorcerer t- senses tingling may only tingled at the very end when <laughs> reality was about to encroach on the him. rip apart yeah, yeah. For but sure. up until then it maybe wasn't that big a deal to him like a blip on the radar um, so when we so first, can see like Multiverse of Madness starting right at the heels of this, going, Stefan, what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. And then it leads to, you know, where we go to was, was that uh, thing. I, sorry, just not to cut you off here, but when we're talking about Multiverse of Madness and that trailer at the end there, do we believe that that evil Doctor Strange is the what-if Doctor Strange? Yes. 
Um, I don't necessarily think that's the only thing he could be. That wasn't. I mean, it's possible. I also thought it could just be its own guy because that Doctor Strange kind of had an arc at the end, and he's True. like, "I'm learning a lesson here," and I don't want them to take away that arc. Like, there could be an infinite number of evil. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I mean, the fact that he looks the way he does, I mean, it definitely feels like it's, you know, if you watch What If, you're going to think that, make that connection. But as Nate said, it doesn't mean there has to only be one evil Doctor Strange like that, so maybe that's what we're getting. I did like how the the coloration or the colors they use for the fissures in, you know, the space-time continuum or whatever, they looked a lot like the What If colors, like those motifs, so I I thought that was kind of neat. That at one point I'm like, oh, are we going to see the Watcher up there? Like, what's going on? Are we going to see Super, you know, Infinity Gem Ultron up there? Like, what, what's going on up there? Is there, a, is there a Celestial? And like you're saying, like, I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't even make out a Rindle thing. I just thought there was. Yeah, none of those silhouettes. I could. I was looking to see what's up. Also, see some some paused footage of that on some YouTube video somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's seems like it'd be perfect to to sneak something in there, but I didn't yeah. get a sense of it. One of the, so as we start to draw to a close, one of the things I want to ask us about as well is when we first see the Spideys, so when you have Andrew Garfield and he's in the costume and then he takes the mask off when he's there. So I'm, I'm guessing, what was the reaction in the theater like when you guys were there? Pretty loud and excited? A lot of clapping? Yeah. Yeah, some hooting. It was interesting, again, they really leaned into the comedy with, with Garfield, like, you know, he had to, like, you know, jump to the, you know, jump to the ceiling, he had to get the, get the dust... He's, good enough, he's, right? just, he's just really charismatic. He's really a joy in terms of his of his humor. And again, for me, Peter should be at his goofiest or his funniest when he has the mask on. Hmm. When he's Peter, he should be still he's still clever, but he's not trying to do that distracting chatter, nervous banter thing that he's doing when he's just like, "Hey, I'm a guy in Spanglies on a rooftop, and <laughs> you know, you're half scorpion." Like that's not a thing that he really he doesn't interact the same way when he's not Spider-Man. So I always felt that Maguire, again, yes, there's a certain kind of down-to-earthness about him that he brings. I I almost don't like anything else about him. For Garfield, the thing that really he brings is that humor. I think he is too tall and too good-looking to be Peter Parker, even though Peter's no uggo. He's just, there's no way that guy's not super popular. There's no way this skateboarding, you know, bouffant, hot, you know, guy who's funny is not everyone's friend. Uh, well, even in his movies, they didn't quite make him the, to- the total no. social outcast, right? Like he, no. def- he actually felt like, in a lot of ways, more of a modern Peter Parker than even Tom Holland's was, um, yeah. because he was a little bit cooler and had a bit more of that kind of edge to him. I do find, and I, he definitely—it's not just that he's funny, but he had the that confidence when he's being funny. That I think with Tom Holland, often when he was being humorous, he, he didn't feel confident. It felt he never, he never has. Yes, but, yes. but again, maybe that is more Spider-Man. The problem is like we we read Spider-Man, but we're not hearing Spider-Man a lot of the time. So maybe we're putting this level of confidence as he's kind of bantering with these with these villains. But maybe you know the original read is more like Tom Holland, kind of being more scared and doing it. Whereas you know Andrew Garfield to me is more accurate to. Be, you know, being, you know, kind of uh, having this braggadocio kind of attitude of I'm going to banter and I'm going to be overconfident. I'm going to overcompensate. And I think that works better, but that's how I read the character. But it's possible that people read, other people read that same dialogue that we've been reading for, you know, years and they're like, no, no, that Tom Holland's is a more accurate read. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with Holland as the teen version, like mm. that, that really strong sense of, 
I don't know who I am yet. Whereas 30-year-old Peter can have that sense of I know who I am, which is kind of what also happens in the Spider-Verse, where you have the older Peter who mm. still uses humor, but, you know, and he also has a kind of depressing thing he's going through, the depression he's going through, but he does have a sense of self that the teenage versions of Spider-Man will have. Like, I, I'm totally fine with that. I, I'm not, I don't really think Holland's missing a whole lot, but it just, I was reminded about how funny Garfield is and how much I miss that and would like forward to seeing maybe Holland grow up as it were become a bit more sure of himself and but I just, I just don't know that he has the timing like everyone's quippy in the MCU it's almost mm-hmm. like everyone just is given an opportunity to quip something here or there yeah. with the odd exception um, and so I, I can't really give him that that kind of you're the funny Spider-Man award right he's not he's he's good he's great I like Holland but Garfield just steals the show Whenever he's in a scene, like it's just the camera can't, you know, won't, you know, can't leave him uh, <laughs> because he's he's everything in that scene, and I want to see more of it. So that's that's telling, I think. When when you first see Toby in this movie, so he kind of steps into like you see the silhouette, he steps into the scene, and he's wearing plain clothes. Was there a moment where you're like maybe he's not going to put on the costume, or do you, where you're like, yeah, no. I, thought, I thought so. Yeah, I thought, for a moment I'm like, he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> he even with molded plastic for muscles, he's not going to put it on. But you know, he looked like he was in pretty good shape, and yeah. I like the joke about him being a youth pastor. Yeah, uh, which again, another Garfield uh, gem. And I'm not saying Garfield even wrote this stuff. Obviously, it was written for them, um, and so he just his delivery was good. Uh, yeah, there was a moment there. I was like, I think that if he hadn't had a costume, or at least even like a web glove or something, that people would have. I felt like there were people in the audience who didn't quite know who he was at first. Mm. Like there was a big thing for Garfield, and we got some noise for McGuire. It might be because he's not as as popular. I don't know what the reason is, but definitely it's it's less impactful to step through a space portal or sorry, a magic portal. And just be in regular clothes. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. part of it's probably that you know Tobey Maguire is not really in movies anymore. Like he's kind of yeah. not, he's not retired like Rick Moranis, but I mean he's he's <laughs> still not really around. Whereas Andrew Garfield yeah. is prominently in movies. He just had a big movie release, the Tick Tick Boom. So he's like yeah. you're seeing him in everywhere. And again, part of it's that the relentless uh, questioning of Andrew Garfield about whether or not he was in this movie. And yet, <laughs> did anyone ask Tobey Maguire? Was he anywhere? Like, I don't remember seeing any interviews being like, Tobey, yeah. are you in this movie? Whereas, how many YouTube videos could you find of just clips of Andrew Garfield saying no? Like, it was crazy. So, of course... Yeah, well, if he's that... currently active and, and doing stuff for his promoting his movies, of course people are grilling him about it. So it makes mm-hmm. sense if he's in the public eye right now, whereas a guy like Tobey's under the radar. I think there were a couple of things out there, but... You know, whatever. But it also goes back to the, the like one of my problems with current MCU is just the, the constant unmasking, you know, of all the characters all the time, right? Mm-hmm. We gotta see all the actors, you know, face and that, uh, apparently the man crush that you know Nate has on Andrew Garfield, the, the Buffon is being full force at all times. He's great. He's great. He's great. He's a great looking man. I, I've always loved him with Peter. Just, just see them just in costume. You know, just a bit more. I, I the the quick. You know, the, all three of them kind of swing up and, and stop on the head for like. A blink of an eye. You don't really get a, a sweet, you know, triple pose. Here's the three Spider-Man ready to go. Um, I would like to see a little, little bit more action on that. Cause, like a lot of it really happens really fast, um, and then they're constantly just taking their masks off any chance they get, which drives me crazy. Like they would never in the comics, never they're constantly taking on and off the mask. You know, it's just like stop, leave it on. I mean, do don't, stuff. first of all, don't worry, Paul. When this comes out in digital, you can freeze frame as it's your heart's content and see all these beautiful <laughs> moments. That you only got briefly. That is something just in general about these movies is that often, you know, sometimes they they make the uh, things happen at night 
or it's dark and you can't quite see what's happening. And so obviously they need to, you know, cat, um, you know, kind of hide some of the you know visual imperfections. But it is difficult because when you're in a theater and you're trying to follow what's happening and there's three Spider-Men doing things at the same time, you're like, where are my eyes supposed to go? Like, it can be a lot. Um, but, you know, that's what home video is for, right? Like, the same could be true of, of Endgame. When you have, you know, the all the Avengers and all the, you know, the good forces against the bad forces, if you're in the theater, you're like, where where am I looking? Like, I can only I can only look at a couple things at a time, whereas when you're at home, you can be like, oh, my God, I missed that detail and that detail. So I think this is a movie that will really do well for digital sales because people are like, I've got to see this. i got to see different pieces of it again. Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, it's only really a problem for me in movies like Judge Dredd, mm. not not the new one, not Dredd, where uh, he keeps his helmet on the whole time, Stallone, where Judge Dredd is known for never taking his helmet off in the comics, and Stallone pulls that sucker right off. Like, that is a problem. Everything else, right. I get it. They paid a lot of money for these actors. Okay, whatever. Yeah, they want to know that it's actually them. They didn't just voice it over. Like, it's, it's really them in, in the suits or the, them on set and... It is interesting that, like, again, because people are trying to, you know, not spoil everything as fast as they could, because I feel like the spoilers could have been worse for this movie. Um, yeah, I do, I do I find was it, impressed. Like, what, I, at, what little point, I at what point do we get to have an interview with Andrew Garfield where he gets to talk about being in this movie? <laughs> like, like, who gets that interview? I want to know. Like, you know, I'm sure, like, that's going to be a big interview for whoever who gets it first, because he spent a year and a half... Just saying he wasn't in the movie. Denying it. Vehemently yeah, yeah. denying it, and to the core of his being. He must have just been like, "I this is such a joke. Like, everyone knows. He must have been calling Kevin Flaggy every day. Really? Can I just say it? Like, they already know. They've seen the leaked footage. To his footage. credit, he's, he's the antithesis of, of Holland, who, you know, can't keep a secret to save his life. So at least, yeah. you know, he... he was able to maneuver that. But that that's actually yeah, part I, of why I was worried going into the movie, because I'm like, is like how good is Garfield at his job? Like, is he that good at selling that he's lying that he's not in this movie? Or is he really just not in this movie? And I honestly didn't yeah. know. Because I was at, yeah. at some point, it was just so thick. They were like, I don't know what's a lie and what's true. He's a good actor. He's a good so actor. He was doing his and, job. And, because there's that moment hair. when the when they open that first portal, you see a dude in a Spider-Man suit. He's like, okay, here he comes. Is it you know Garfield or is it another Holland? Like here, here's the moment where it comes. And, and once you saw Garfield, okay, bring me Toby and let's get going. Here. I mean, you you probably Paul were like, bring well, Toby. he's too tall to be Tom Holland, so obviously it's got to be Garfield. I mean, you love yeah. that costume, obviously. I mean, the costume from Amazing Spider-Man Two looks great. So yeah. I mean, it was great to see it here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is one of those... We don't get a good look at uh, Holland's new one, really. He's, like, flipping around. No. There's no really good look at... We know we, we get the impression that it's going to be a nice classic suit, but we don't really get a good, you know, I, shot of it. I feel like they don't... Maybe they haven't made it. Like, maybe it's just rendered. Like, it's they, they sure. haven't actually made him wear it, because we just see kind of a CG model doing things, right? Like, yep. it doesn't... It's, and it's so fast, so quick. The camera yeah. angles are very specific. I feel mm-hmm. like he's not in that costume at all. It's just a... You know, it's just CGI, and so they haven't really built that costume yet. I could be wrong, but it felt like that's what we were getting there. So I'm, I'm curious if that was always the ending, or, you know, if they kind of came up with this. Like, at what point... No, they... I think it's just a tease to, to get you excited for yeah. this chapter. Yeah, I was saying, this is one of those, you know, Empire Strikes Back moments where if you weren't there when it was first revealed, it probably will just mean less as the years go on. It's just a known quantity. That you know, those are the end game moments. Mm-hmm. And yes, there was a lot of 
uh, uh, attempted spoilers years before this, and people were talking about it, so we didn't go in completely blind. We weren't completely um, surprised by it, but we didn't know up until the moment. And even I feel like how how long can this so called blackout on spoilers last? Like I was so impressed that between Thursday and Sunday, I didn't know, and I didn't stay entirely off the internet. It could have been spoiled, and then I noticed like Monday, I, you know. Well, today um, and yesterday night, last night, I started to notice in some people some things kind of sneaking out there on Instagram, making references and talking about the next movie. And Andrew Garfield's picture was up, and I'm like, "So did I just see it in time? Like I, that window was already closing." So it is an interesting thing to have that experience now. You can't really have the same experience in the future, so that's special to be part of that and to be in a movie theater, to be a part of cinema, to, to enjoy that. I, I, I really, I had a really good time in the theater. Um, so. No complaints for me. I really overall great movie. My like, I guess my favorite real Spider-Man film, the real life. I still think he's in Spider-Verse is better, but I, I think this is the best Spider-Man film. Live action for sure. Yeah, I I, I, I got to say I appreciate talking to you guys about it because I I was for the last few days reading a lot of people raving about the film. And I felt like, am I, is something wrong with me? Like, I didn't quite feel the same level of excitement. But talking it over with you guys has made me realize how much I did enjoy it. And maybe just, it was letting some things maybe get in the way more than I should. Uh, which is pretty part and parcel for me in general. So mm-hmm. it's not a surprise. Well, it's interesting because I felt like my hype level for this movie was insanely high. So I kind of felt coming in that, well, I'm going to be the booster. I got to be the one who's going to love it the most. And I saw the movie, I'm like, maybe I'm not. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Like, I wasn't sure. I definitely really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I enjoy it more as I think about it. Um, and kind of let some just of the things... Just good fun. Yeah, it was definitely fun. It's just good fun. I, you know, I, I loved Andrew Garfield's portrayal. I think he made part of the movie for me. Like, having him back and seeing his swagger and his uh-huh. take on the character. And as you said, Nate, him being funny the way he can be that the others aren't. Uh, it also made me appreciate each Spider-Man for who they are and what those movies were and how they reflected... You know, movies of the time. I mean, like they're so interesting as you know snapshots of what that time's comic book movies were. And so, you know, it's interesting to kind of be able to look at that as as a kind of an interesting touchstone. And Endgame was its own thing of bringing all these movies together, and will probably actually. I don't even think we'll ever see that again. Even now, with the kind of amount of clout that Marvel has, I don't know that it can be done maybe as well because we don't have those core Avengers anymore. Now it's kind of more of a disparate mm-hmm. universe. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with them not building to, and like you said this, we're not going to just do it again. We're not going to repeat that blueprint. The next phase is going to look different. I'm fine yeah. with that. But this is also, I don't, this has never happened. This is also cinematic history, bringing back all these actors from previous iterations from these, because these are remakes, right? Like when you do, when you remake a movie, and then acknowledge that the remake exists because that's, that's you don't do that, right? Like you want to sell tickets mm. for the new movie, you want to distance yourself. New producers, new directors, new new executives. This is like no, we're going to like shake hands across the decades and bring back people's childhood from 2002 and people's childhood from whatever Amazing Spider-Man was that was that 2010. Cool. And then the Holland the Holland kids, all the kids from their childhood Spider-Mans, we're going to bring them all in here, um, and the villains. And make it make sense to some degree. Magic's there, so they'll pay whatever. Mm-hmm. And make it heartfelt, and make it fun action, and move the Marvel Universe forward a little bit. Like, that's a lot of things to accomplish, and it's never been done before, to my knowledge, and it might not ever happen again. Mm-hmm. So, 
Every time I saw someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, Thomas Hayden Church. That's right. Wow. When's the last time I saw, time I saw him in something? And, you know, I, I was just, I was delighted by it. So, um, it, it, is, it is fascinating to me that it's, only, it's been less than 10 years since Andrew Garfield got his first Spider-Man movie. Like, it was 2012. Like, it's within that decade, you had him yeah. have two movies, and you've already had three movies with someone else. Like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And an entire universe, right? And not just two movies with Holland, because Holland's also been in Civil War and the last two Avengers films. Mm-hmm. So this is... He's been Spider-Man a long... It feels like Holland has been around a long time, when he hasn't, actually. No, it's only been since, what, 2006? It's only been, you know, less than six years that he's been Spider-Man, but... Because we've seen him... 16. Yeah, that's right. I meant 2016. So in that, you know, less than six years, exactly, we've had him in three of his own movies and be in three other movies. Like, that's insane. Yeah, he's accomplished so much. He's like, I've been to space. I have the Avengers. And he's like, who? What? (laughs) I, I saw a rhino guy in a mech suit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's funny because, you know, Garfield, he was never a poor choice for Peter. He was never a poor Spider-Man. He was just stuck in poor movies. Yes. <laughs> were, you know, and they then because those movies didn't succeed, it springboarded you into where we are today, right? It's crazy. For sure. It also lets you see the comparison between those universes and how full – the MCU's universe really feels, especially as we keep, almost like we're accelerating. It feels like that way. Again, we talked about Hawkeye and you look at all the Disney plus movie shows and there's so many more to come. How many more new characters or nods will there be? Um, and then you hear Holland talking, sorry, Spider-Man one talking to two and three. And he's like, what have you done? And, and Garfield's like, well, I fought a man in a robot suit. And Peter's like, I joined the Avengers and I went to space and fought a guy who tried to kill half the universe. It just, that's what I love about the Marvel Universe. I love that you can see Thor flying by while Peter's swinging overhead. I love that you can go to a coffee shop and actually the barista is, um, you know, Kamala Khan. And you're like, oh, hey, like that fun, large, complex universe and making you want to, like, I, I guess I want to buy this other book. Like, I want to see why Nova showed up in that panel because I don't know who Nova is, but I'm going to find out. Like, that's exciting. And that's the feeling that I get when I overhear other people talking about this when I have people come to me and say, hey, you know the Marvel Universe, let me ask you questions. What do you, who's Monica Rambeau? Like, that excitement that feeds off of itself mm. um, really is there. And then when you talk to the other two Spider-Mans, they, they don't have that universe. There's no Avengers, the Fantastic Four. There might have been a Doctor Strange in the Maguire universe mm-hmm. because of that reference in the first Spider-Man film. But other than that, yeah, they just, it feels so empty. And, um, that's maybe that adds to this feeling of like, yeah, Holland. Holland's been in at least twelve movies, right? And he's been Spider-Man for twenty years. Like, no, no, it's really not been very long at all. No. So, what would your final ratings be before we let you guys go for the evening? We have to rate it with a number. We always do. <laughs> so, my wife has already thrown down the gauntlet. She said nine and a half out of ten. Well, I want to divorce myself from how good of a movie do I think it is versus how much I enjoyed it. Okay. Right? I'm not going to like rank this up against the greatest cinema. Um, well, we, I think we get that. About, yeah, I want to talk about how much I enjoyed it, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's at least a nine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got to reserve things like nine point five and ten for things like Endgame and Winter Soldier. It's not Winter Soldier and Endgame for me, but it's definitely up there with the nines. I gotta, I'll say a nine. Okay, Paul. Yeah, it's an easy nine. It's the best MCU movie we've gotten out of the bunch. Hands down, um, you know, we'll see what uh, Thor Love and Thunder has in store 
but uh, this for sure was and Doctor Strange looks uh, pretty sweet I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see more of that stuff um, but uh, this was everything I think you know I went there with expectations hoping to be um, surprised hoping to be entertained um, and it gave me all all the fan service I wanted it, it had the right MCU feel um, like I said at the beginning so yeah it was, it was a great romp and uh, I can't wait to see what uh, Holland does next to Spider-Man very good. I I think I would agree with the nine. I think nine is an accurate read, uh, and I, I I like your thought there, Nate. About you know, was it necessarily a good movie, or is it more about your enjoyment level? And I think I think if I think of it that way, then the enjoyment level is going to win out and make give it a nine. I think if I was think about some of the plot ideas and what it means, I, I think I may have kind of written it down. But I, I I enjoyed it overall. It finally gets Peter to a spot where. He feels like, you know, he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's not Iron Man Jr. He's himself. He's learned the lesson that he needed this many movies and his aunt dying to learn. Um, So, you know, hopefully, I guess the big question is, do we get more? And when do we get more? And what will they look like? And hopefully they can, I mean, the fact that it has the biggest, you know, one of the biggest opening weekends and it's in the middle of a pandemic um, is hopefully... I would imagine Sony's calling up Sony, uh, sorry, uh, Feige, and be like, "Okay, so let's do as many as you want." And Feige's like, "Well, hold yeah. on, let's do one at a time. Don't worry, we're not going to do, you know, because the, they're probably like, let's do twelve in the next five years. Like, let's just make as many. We want Scarlet Spider in the movies. Let's do it all." And Feige has to calm them down. He has to, you know, make sure that they, you know they just relax themselves. He also can stop being a sniper pointed outside of Andrew Garfield's house because <laughs> Andrew Garfield can, you know, can start talking freely. Uh, so I, I feel like we haven't seen Feige in a while because he's busy being at Garfield's house. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's exciting to see what the universe, you know, will have in store for Spider-Man next. And it sounds like Holland's really into it. Like he really wants to do more. Um, So that's cool too. Yeah, I mean, echoing what you said about maybe making a more Peter-centric movie next. I love. I don't remember what part of the movie it was, but Peter jokes that like, yeah, all this has happened, and I'm still broke. Like, I still don't have money. I don't have a job. That kind of thing. That returning him to that status quo Mm -hmm. makes me feel like yeah, the Parker life makes me feel like they know exactly where to put him next and what to do with him. Yeah, moves to that dingy apartment, whatever, rents due at this time, you know, like all, all those old Parker beats that we know. So they're they're really grounding him now, which is which is cool to see. So that's a nice fresh start. I thought they were gonna show and Mr. Having, Dikovich. Like I was like, are they gonna yeah. rent? <laughs> and and we got Jay Jonah, you know, we had saw at least have the old Jonah, even though he's yeah. basically Alex Jones here. Um, yes. so he's updated and uh, he can still be a nice antagonist going forward, so that's cool. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you guys for being uh, part of the show. If you want to uh, email us at the show, you can do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Uh, you can rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again, guys, for talking about Spider-Man. It was uh, a thrill as always. Pleasure to be here. See you, wetheads. <laughs> Bye-bye.